Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hello, everyone. Hello there. <laughs> That's John's best impression of, um, I don't even know who. Wilford Grimley. That reminds me of a line from The Thing. Which which thing? The, f- the, the, the first the one? The second thing with Wilford Brimley. The remake. Yeah, they were doing a uh, like an autopsy, and he goes, Welch got a heart, lungs, liver. I don't know. That's just kind of the way Wilford Brimley was doing the autopsy. And then his head popped off and crawled around like a spider. That was a scary movie. That was actually a, a pretty good movie, though. I mean, even oh, yeah. though it was a remake, it was very well done. It's one of my friend's favorite movies. I wouldn't call it one of my favorite movies, but it's one of the scariest movies I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. What is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Hands Down? Yeah. What do you think? Alien? No. Mm. I mean, that that one's a surprising, frightening kind of movie, but it's not one that keeps me awake at night. Oh. Well, that one, you know, that scene when the thing, you know, he's looking in there and it pops out on his face, that was pretty damn scary. Well, that's startling. I, I, I'm I, talking like scared right down to your no, soul. No, I'm going to use the word scary. I thought it was scary. The Shining, pretty scary. When the kid was outside that door and he was going to open the door to the one hotel, you know, the one room. That's right. I had to turn it off the first time I watched that on VHS. I was like, this is. I was alone. I was like, this is scary. <laughs> <laughs> turn all the lights on, sort of whistling. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. For what? me, Exorcist. The Exorcist. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that in so long. I should watch that again. Yep. Pretty scary. I mean, the special effects today are probably not up to par, but just the thought of the whole possession thing, demons running through her, it's, that stuff scares me. Snot was running down his nose. <laughs> different different uh, scenario entirely. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm driving over here, right? And, and I'm on Route 365 or whatever, and some kid in like a, an Isuzu geo prism neon or something goes by me at 95 miles an hour with this gigantic wing (laughs) bolted to his trunk i love those cars and i just want to say to every kid who has that wing in their on their like four thousand dollar used car it ain't making you go any faster it isn't a ferrari get over it no they know that it's not making them go faster you know what they're using that for? Well, downforce. Downforce. Yeah, they need so they as much downforce as possible. It's it's for those those Indy 500 corners they're going through. No, they need the downforce because occasionally gravity turns off and the car has to stick to the road. <laughs> no, it's I ridiculous. I just think, you know how they have like the seat wicked reclined when they're driving? Yeah. So and the top of their head is showing out of the window? Out of the back window. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how reclined they are. Oh, man, it just drives me nuts. Cause and they've got the audacious splash graphics on the side of their cars. Right, like the, what was that video game with the uh, the cars? The It's one of the popular video games the kids play with the racing cars. Well, I know the movie that's maybe spawned some video games, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, or Fast and the, the Furious. The Fast and the Furious. I, yeah. I watched uh, one of those episodes of... Um, Pimp My Ride with Exhibit on it. It was on at work, and they actually made the cars, Nissan 240SX, look just like in the video games. They put the graphics on it. They got the identical wing. A little gaudy. A little? A little. A little. A little (laughs) gaudy, but they did a great job. I'll give them that. It had some bling factor, I'm sure. 
Yeah, yeah. It, I got some you, news. You got some news. Well, it's not really news. Oh, this hey. just in. Rich has news. <laughs> I have a prediction. This is the music for the prediction part of the show. Shouldn't we have like eerie kind of gypsy music for predictions? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But um, you know, the whole Floyd Landis thing is happening. He's gonna, the, the, they're gonna do that arbitration in January, and um, I, you know, I think he's gonna get cleared. And my prediction is Team Discovery is gonna hire him, so he'll be back on Team Discovery. And then all the Europeans who hated Lance and hate Team Discovery and whatnot can say, well, the steroid man's on the steroid team. But that's what I think is going to happen. What do you think? I think that he's going to be in an interview with Bryant Gumbel in HBO's Real Sports. That happened, yeah. Did it already happen? Yeah. I just saw the previews for it. Maybe they just didn't catch the episode. Yeah, it's, they, that happened about a week ago. And, it, you know, he had some chance to break some ground and actually talk about Floyd's case and some of the evidence, but it was more of a, why did you do that? You know, bad boy kind of thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Bryant um, Gumbel was finger wagging? Something like that, yeah. Wow. I'm surprised. He's usually uh, not so much now that he's been freed of the NBC reins. Yeah, yeah. No, so what are we drinking I today? Uh, oh, what were you going to say? Uh, I'm sort of sick of the Floyd Landis news, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I'm the only guy in the world talking about it, so there's nothing to be sick about. It's not like you're seeing it on uh, Yeah, NBC but I'm Nightly the only news. guy that you're talking to. <laughs> Don't flatter yourself. <laughs> I talk to other people at work, you know. About Floyd Landis? I have one other friend. No, no, no. I mean about the Floyd Landis thing. I hear it every time you're here. <laughs> no, I haven't talked about it in two shows. But that's my prediction. He's going to be cleared, and I think he should be based on the evidence I've been seeing. And he's going to get hired by Team Discovery. I think he's going to donate the third testicle to science. Well, that's what I think. That's this Justin. Do, 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 do. <laughs> we'll do that next time. What are we drinking? We're drinking a Merlot. This is from... Well, it's, it's, we've been gifted a Merlot. It's a Talis Lodi. It's California 2002 Merlot. Lodi, Lodi Merlot. This was a gift from the woman that John affectionately refers to as Chris. Garlic Chris. Garlic Chris. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the garlic again. And I like the wine simply because it has a giant T on it. That used to be my nickname. T. Capital T. It's Something else that we have in it's common. It's a Merlot. It's sweet. Sweeter than we're used to, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I prefer a little bit, uh, a little bit bolder, less sweet, a little, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? More tannins. Yeah. Bitter. Mm. Spicy. Mm. Yeah, but this is, this is good. This is nice. This I've is had good. some awful Merlots. So yeah. sort of well, hesitant. I've had some awful cabs. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they're out there too. Well, yeah, this, this one cab in New York City, you almost drove me off the road. Well, it's sort of like, but I'm it's sort of like music, right? Everybody gets down on like heavy metal. I was a metalhead in the 80s, and I think just like there are bad jazz musicians or bad classical musicians, there are good rock and roll and good metal musicians, mm-hmm. you know? So let's not get caught up in that whole idea that just because they come from a certain genre, they can't be good players or good musicians. That's correct. And, you know, I'm going to segue. Segue? I'm going to seg you. What do you got? Because you're talking about this whole, you know, stereotype thing, and it's one of our favorite things that we usually never bring up. I heard the most sexist ad on the radio. You know, it's it's around Christmas time. It's gift-giving time. And there's this jewelry store in the Syracuse area that, that's running this ad constantly. Mm-hmm. And it's this woman who's in this scenario where she's trying to give advice to her male friend on gift-giving, saying, look, you know, go to this jewelry store. They're the jewelry experts. They're going to help you out. And, you know, if... If uh, if someone wanted to give you wrenches, you would want to go to an expert on wrench advice. So go to this jewelry store. And I'm thinking to myself, why do they keep perpetuating this myth that men are just 
clumsy oafs who just throw wrenches around and that's all they care about is wrenches and ooh, they ooh, and ooh. they couldn't think about jewelry and and well Tim on, Allen helped perpetuate that. Well, true. But on the other side, why perpetuate the myth that that women all they carry about is shiny little baubles to collect like ferrets or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just it bothers me that that they keep pushing that thing. Men go out and and buy glittery things for your women and then go out back into your garage and hammer things with wrenches. Well, you know what? I was at a, a relative's house, and I won't say who, but they have kids, and I don't remember what it was, if it was a cartoon or a game that one of the girls was playing, and I think I told this story once before, actually, and the mother said, you know, you can't watch that program, or you can't play that game, it's a boy's program or game. What's that about, you know, the whole gender role thing, you know, boys like blue, girls like pink, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I've got two girls, one of them is a little bit more girly than the other, my oldest is actually... I don't know, bit of a tomboy. And she likes wearing boyish kind of clothes, and she likes doing sporty kind of things. She wants to become a skater. She wants to play video games and, Roller and, ride, derby? and, and ride skateboards. She's not into the whole frilly thing. And her younger sister is actually a little bit more frilly. So, you know, I'm going to let her go for it. That's great. So that, I'm just... Maybe she wants to lift weights and get a tattoo someday. It's not the end be. of the world. Shave her head. <laughs> you know, go to prison. She already asked, didn't she, about the head shaving? Yeah, and I said no tattoos until you're 15. That's right. It's like Mike TV. Can't get a gun. Not till you're 12, son. <laughs> That's right. Something like that. Yeah, anyway. So I'm I'm just I'm, I'm appalled at how this Christmas season has driven people to have ads to keep pushing that boy girl thing. I don't know. It just made me kind of cringe. Yeah, women are all superficial and only want jewelry, and men want uh, the Wrenches. latest. <laughs> Lured by an evil man with a wrench in his pocket. <laughs> Anyway, I think we got a tune. Yes, we do. Dig it. I think you're going to enjoy this. This is something special. Let's check it out.
Very nice. That guy's got some chaps. I like that guy. That guy is Simon Fox. We played a track of his, God, well, a year ago. He gave us permission to mm-hmm. play a track. And he's been very busy over the past six months. He's been moving uh, from Australia to Canada. So actually, he changed two hemispheres. He came from the southern hemisphere to the north and from the eastern to the west. Isn't changing two hemispheres like <laughs> changing planets? I mean, <laughs> did he do that in 80 days? He might have, actually. In a balloon? I think he did it in less than 80 days. But he has a new record out, and I don't remember the name. It's something about winter. Well, we'll, I'm sorry about that, Simon. I just just forgot the name of your new record. But anyway. (laughs) We'll look it up and plug it on our our blog. Yeah, and if you go to simonfox.net, you can see that uh, his new record's out. And I think, actually, since he moved from Australia to Canada, he didn't have any CDs. He what? product he had he sold while he was in Canada or I'm sorry in Australia and then when he moved here he's going to repress now that he's you know living on the, the North American continent he's going to repress instead of carrying them all with him and paying the freight on that probably you know, yeah it's, it's much probably easier. it's probably cheaper to repress than it is to ship yeah so he's going to uh, be repressing and uh, that's great as what long was as he's not one? regressing what was that one called that was called uh, Outpost by Simon Fox on his new record that I don't remember the name of, but I think Winter is in the title. Well, now that he's in Canada, it's called Outpost. Outpost. That's right. And he was kind enough to... um, He got very interested in the whole idea of podcasting when I pitched him the idea originally of playing something off of his previous CD, which is, uh, I think it's called Night Fishing. And he started asking me all these questions about the idea and the concepts of podcasting, and I talked about how the Beatties promote their band with a podcast, and I hipped him to that. And over the last six months, I, I've been hoping that he would choose to send us some tracks, and he did. He sent me two, and that was one of them. But he's also committed to making some tracks from this new record, Podsafe, so other people will be able to play them also. I, I mean, at this time, I, I don't know that that song was Podsafe, so no one can really play it without his uh, explicit permission, but he did give us permission to play that, and it's a fantastic tune, and we got some more we're going to play in the future. Anyway. Cool, and I'd like to hear him actually do a podcast. Other musicians do podcasts. It would be cool if he did a podcast. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Garlic Chris, who gave us the I wasn't wine speaking today, of her. I, I'm gonna though. Okay. And um, I don't know if I'm giving too much away, but you know, in a couple of Mondays, she's gonna get a new knee. A new knee? She's gonna get a knee for the Merlot. <laughs> Is she so, gonna play Ganipkin up too? She might, and uh, she's got a bad knee, and she's gonna get one of the artificial knees, and they're gonna the doctor's gonna put it in, screw it right in there, solder it right in, or whatever they do, <laughs> weld it in. You know, they generally just take a, a fake knee and they just hit it against their leg until little, it pops in place. <laughs> a little epoxy, a little Elmer's, <laughs> I don't know, staples. <laughs> So anyway, we wish oh. her the best on that and a speedy recovery, and I'm going to go visit her when uh, when that happens, and uh, she's going to feel better immediately. I know it, because well, her knee, her current knee is just pain. Yeah, and it gets to the point where drugs don't help, although drugs generally do <laughs> Well, a, let's a not go job. overboard. <laughs> you know, drugs are great, you know. <laughs> drugs and some Merlot, and you're all set. Yep. Just ask uh, Judy Garland. She'll, she'll tell you. <laughs> or Keith Richards. <laughs> Keith, yeah. Him and a couple of transfusions. <laughs> That's right. So, you know... There was that news about Bobby Knight, Bobby Knight. I don't even know who he who he coaches anymore, but it used to be Indiana. Yeah, I think it's Texas Tech now. Yeah, he got kicked out or whatever because we've all seen it, right? Bobby Knight, it's almost like he's at a, a pro wrestling match. Out, out comes the folding chair. He whips it onto the court. He's screaming at refs, he screams the, at his players. He's the prototypical angry coach on the sidelines screaming and getting thrown out. And he's worse than anyone. And I want to know mm-hmm. what he's still doing coaching. Right. I mean, clearly he's got anger issues. And I mean, 
in the most recent thing was he hit a kid, and I didn't see it. I don't know how hard it was. You said it didn't look like it was yeah, that I, hard. I saw, I saw it on video. Two reasons why he's still coaching. Well, well one, well, and I'm not, I'm not defending him. Two reasons why he keeps well, he's coaching. Well, he wins. He wins. He is a good basketball coach. I don't think that well, can actually, be denied. Let me give three reasons. One, he wins. Two, he's he's a personality. He's one of those icons, and he draws people to the stadium, and he draws money to the university wherever he is. But anybody who wins is going to do those two things. But, if, a, if a program is winning, people will be drawn, and money will come. Right, but he's he transcends the sport. If you say Bobby Knight, people who don't even follow college basketball sort of know who that is. Yeah, I guess. And the third thing is he's also known to graduate his students. He makes sure that his students... Aren't, aren't just jocks who play, you know, every day and then have someone go to their basketball. But is that enough? I mean, okay, we saw with the footage he hit a kid, right? That's I why mean, I said I'm not excusing him. I'm no, just saying those I mean, are the things he's known. And for. I don't know this to be true, but if I had to bet money, I would say in a heated halftime down, you know, at halftime when he's down in the locker room, given his shouting match with the kids, I, 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 I would find it hard to believe that he hasn't gotten excited and. Re- made physical contact with a kid or hit a kid. I mean, he's just got that kind of temper. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's unacceptable. You know, this guy needs to go. He needs to be made an example of. He, or or at least the school needs to order him into therapy and anger management or something like that. Well, like, I, like you said, I, I saw the, the footage. and I haven't actually seen it. But regardless of how hard he hit him, you do not lay hands on somebody. Right. And what I was going to say is this was the situation. I guess the team's down. The kid did a, a bad play. I wasn't really watching the game. I just saw a, a, a clip of the footage or a clip of the, the incident. Kid comes to the sidelines and is looking at him in the face. He's getting screamed at by Bobby Knight. And the kid starts to lower his head, you know, kind of like, oh, geez, I'm getting yelled at. And he just, Bobby Knight just reaches up and like pops him in the chin so that the kid looks up and stares him in the face. Okay. Did he call them all sons of bitches like Patton would? I don't know. If 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 it was Patton, he probably would have pulled his revolver out and started to <laughs> cock it back. His pearl-handled revolver? His pearl-handled forty-five or whatever it was. It was ivory-handled. Ivory. Remember when he said pearl? He said something like a pimp would only have a pearl-handled pistol. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. <laughs> so, so anyways, this... I was thinking to myself, well, it didn't look too bad. But then I said, you know what? If I was at my job and my boss was yelling at me, not that it would happen, but if he was yelling at me, if he ever did that, the next thing I'd be thinking is lawsuit, because that's just unacceptable to be putting your hands on someone else. Even yelling is sort of inappropriate, but I I can see it in a basketball game. It's loud in there. You really have to get your point across. Plus, it gets heated all the time in, in these competitive sports. But, man, you reach up and you grab the kid or you pop the kid, that's just wrong. Yeah. It's just totally wrong. And what makes it worse is the kid's parents said they were okay with it. I was shocked. I was stunned. If that was my kid down there, Bobby Knight would have been popped in the chin. Come on now. Two wrongs don't make a right, you know? But it makes you feel good. <laughs> well, it might. It might. But you're that kind of guy. Yeah. Well, you know you know how John Madden has his own video games and all that? Maybe Bobby Knight needs, like, Bobby Knight Mortal Kombat because, you know, like, playing for him is like taking your life into your own hands, you know? Well, it's like all professional sports. What's the old joke? You know, I went to go see a fight the other night and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> but um boom Rodney Dangerfield. That's right. a classic one. That that still bothers me that fighting is one of those things that's just accepted as part of hockey. I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. Why why does putting a puck into a net have to break into a fight? Why does football have to turn into I just knock the guy down so I don't have to stand over him and gloat? 
I just don't get that whole attitude. Well, I agree. And I kind of wanted to turn this towards violence in general because, as I mentioned um, in recent episodes, I've been watching The Sopranos. And that's a pretty violent show. And because it's on HBO, it can be particularly violent or it can have, you know, racy language and sex scenes and nudity and all that right. kind of stuff, and which is great because for a show like that or a show like Rome where it's supposed to be gritty, I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. But – the the show in general, I'm I mean it's I'm finding that after watching it, it sort of like bums me out because it's like too violent, you know. And that got me thinking about stuff I used to think about 20 years ago, and you can kind of relate to this because you you and I have played some video uh, video games. Now we played um, role playing games. Yeah, I don't think we actually played D and D. We used to play Role Master. I've played D and D, and I'm sure you have. But when you and I got into it with our friend Scott, it was all role master. Mm-hmm. And you remember 20 years ago, everybody was saying if you play D and D, you're going to become a Satan worshiper and all that crap. And and I used to think, well, that's just ludicrous, mm-hmm. because you and I haven't turned into. Well, I can speak for myself only. I haven't turned into a Satan worshiper. To me, it's just a weekend thing. <laughs> it's part time. <laughs> no. It's it's not minor Tallarico. Not, not at all. I've, I've actually gone the other way. Well, can you explain that pentagram on the floor, the inscription? I mean, it's decorative, Rich. Okay, fine. <laughs> what about the dead goats that you've been burying lately? <laughs> he has no answer. Actually, it's We're a, stocking up. Suddenly, this is like a 60 minutes interview. John just got up from his chair and bolted. I'm like Mike Wallace over here. You're not but, the judge of me. But I used to put a lot of thought into this, and I used to think, well, that's just ludicrous. You know, D&D hasn't affected, you know, my way of thinking or my mind. It hasn't suddenly made me a, like a Satan worshiper. But now we live in different times. And obviously environment is important. What you're exposed to is huge. And they, they were saying violent video games were bad. But back then, if I recall correctly, the games for that were out for the computers then, like the Commodore Amiga and the early PCs, and the Commodore 64s, you know, they were they they weren't violent games. They weren't shoot 'em up games. But now every game that I see advertised on TV is a shoot 'em up game. And let's face it, certain kids and some kids will sit in front of their video games for eight hours or twelve hours. And when all you're doing is playing a shoot 'em up game for eight hours, twelve hours, that has to have an effect on you. That has yeah. to. Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly, you know, it's a sign of the times. When when we were kids or, or whatever playing those games, it was a limitation of the graphics. I mean, the best thing that you can get was a cube-looking thing that was your character running through a maze. And it was a sprite. Yeah, and, and before that, even before those things... It was just one it, pixel. It, it was the, the, text. The first video games were... The resolution was one by one, if right. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but it was text. But it was four-color. That's that's true. It was uh, gaudy magenta, blue, black, and Mauve. and dark black. <laughs> so basically, you had to use your imagination. It wasn't just bombardment of of these realistic graphics. Today, things are photorealistic, and there's a, a game out for one of the new Xbox things, and they're pushing it on TV. And I'm I'm appalled at what this is. These people getting dismembered and ripped apart, and we're seeing this stuff. Now, going on in, in Iraq and the Middle East, it's the same stuff. And how are the kids telling the difference between these these two things? One is okay and one is entertainment. And the other one is supposed to – we're supposed to be appalled by that? Well, They're not making the separation. We can think. bring up the Sopranos again. Here's a guy who's raising his family and trying to teach his kids right from wrong. 
and he goes out and by day he kisses his daughter before she goes to school and at night he's having somebody, you know, whacked. He's having somebody clipped, as they say, you know? Yeah. I mean, how can somebody develop a real sense of, of right and wrong with all of these stimulus? Michael Moore brought that up in one of his films. Uh, I think it was Columbine because one of the defense manufacturers has a missile facility in Columbine or right outside of Columbine. That's a suburb of Denver. I think it's on the southern side of Denver. And Michael Moore was getting a tour of the facility from one of the uh, marketing guys and pointed out, well, how can kids like the kids from Columbine know the difference between right and wrong when their parents go to work every day to build missiles, for example, that kill people? And the guy just stood there and went, uh, I don't see the correlation. <laughs> There's no connection whatsoever. No, clearly. And I was a big defender of video games and the whole, I mean, I'll turn this a little bit sideways, you know, the whole Ozzy Osbourne, Judas Priest, you know, that music turns people into Satan worshipers. I mean, I'm, I'm on the defense of the people who play the music, Ozzy and Priest, because I just don't think these songs really, um, I, I, A, I don't think the messages are in there. Even if you listen to them eight hours a day, I don't think the messages are in there. But eight hours a day of watching the Tom Clancy video the video game where it's all shoot 'em up, I think is certainly going to have an effect on somebody. I haven't studied enough psych to know, but I mean, it just feels like it would. It's- well, I think it, just like anything, it's the, the desensitization, if you know if that's the way of putting it. It's like wearing a condom. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to even go down that path. But if you're constantly bombarded with it, and even like heavy metal, I mean, if you're bombarded with heavier metal and heavier metal and heavier metal. Well, you want to become a guitar player. (laughs) No, then eventually the only thing that that you really react to is grindcore. (laughs) No, then you want to get your own reality show on on MTV, rather. (laughs) Right, but, I mean, it's one of those things where it becomes the norm, and then the thing that shocks has to be even more audacious and outrageous. Yeah, but heavy metal's just loud music. And Ozzy, you know, I, I don't know. I used to like Ozzy in the 80s when Randy Rhodes was a guitar player, and I don't really remember any satanic messages in there or anything i mean to me it was just music are there bands out there that probably do worship satan and release a kind of heavy music that's like heavy metal probably i don't know i mean i don't listen to them so i can't say Uh, the fix actually (laughs) (laughs) rem ben come on you know you know the fix was satan worship band come on no it would make you want to worship satan to ask them to be you know gone from this earth remind me to talk about 80s music in a minute i I like the fix too and remind me to talk about colin hay and uh, the men at work in a minute (laughs) hey rich yeah can you talk about colin hay and men at work in a minute minute. (laughs) okay (laughs) jeez dude give me a minute no i i i just think that do 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 saved by zero that's right (laughs) i was gonna say that i heard that song the other day was that on reach the beach it might have been actually (laughs) We digress yet again. No, I I really think what? that no matter what you're exposed to, overexposure to anything, you're, gonna, you're going you're going to be, be desensitized to it, and then you're going to want more or something that's even more outrageous. I it's guess it's kind of like pepper. I put at least fifteen grinds of my pepper mill literally into the foods that I eat at night or that I bring to work for lunch, and I don't even taste it anymore. So now it's twenty grinds because I don't taste the pepper anymore. And the next thing you know. Satan worshiping. Go <laughs> leggings you know, and you're all done. Killing people, buying Tom Clancy video games, and liking the fix. <laughs> and, and you've got the Santeria altar in your basement with the chicken blood and the... Well, the the pentagram, I just copied yours. I got out the yardstick and took the dimensions and you know got a can of spray paint and just did a little graffiti thing. Well, spray paint doesn't work. You have to use chalk. 
Oh, well, I didn't know. <laughs> and, and charcoal from the bones of your, your enemies. The other odd thing that John has going on here is he has a stone wall, and it's kind of a cinder block wall. John does, like, cave paintings. You know, he's got all kinds of weird things going on in here. <laughs> I have no idea where this is coming from. I asked you not to expose any of this stuff, and there you go. And I did it anyway. Well, anyway, uh, I, I mean, the, the overall message here is just violence bad. Bobby Knight, I, I can't get with that guy. I think, you know, he needs to be shown the door, the employment door, the unemployment line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- that kind of anger, bad, you know. Clearly there's something going on there, and he needs to get a handle on that. Because, I mean, although, again, we have no real proof of it, with that kind of temper— how is it possible that he wouldn't have smacked a player around at one point in practice or halftime or whatever? He has to have done it, right? I mean, it just well, seems unlikely that he wouldn't have. We we know about the incidents in public, so in private he's probably even worse. Yeah. That that's my point. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this, and um, but I would know, rather see people like you've got, um, let's see, Mike Shashevsky. And Which is spelled nothing like that. I think it sh- begins it's with a K. It's Coach Kr- K. Krzyzewski. Krish- or- yeah, but they call him Krzyzewski. It's very yeah. Polish, but that is not how it's pronounced. I'll have to look at it and get yeah. the real Polish pronunciation. And then you got Jim Beheim that's spelled Boheme. And those guys graduate their kids, too. They graduate their kids, and you see them on the sidelines. They might get upset, but they're very respectful, and they, t- they, t- they treat their student athletes as human beings. You know, the Bobby Knight, speaking of Bobby Knight, which we were, uh, what was that movie I saw, the basketball film? I mentioned it. The, Hoosiers? No, no, no. The the documentary where they followed these kids' lives, um, Hoop Dreams. One of the coaches was for like this white suburban Catholic school, and they have a a, a scout who actually goes to the inner cities to, to recruit African-American kids to play for this white Christian, white bread school, and- that coach, and I forget his name at the moment, was another one of these guys with a temper, you know, just putting down kids. That's the worst play I've ever seen, you know. Negative reinforcement doesn't work. Every study in the world has shown that. Doesn't work. Why are these Neanderthals, these dinosaurs like this guy and Bobby Knight getting away with this? I know they bring in the money. They bring in the fans. They have a successful program. But, I mean, it's about time somebody took a stand and just said, you know what? I want a coach who's human, <laughs> Well, maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe eventually people are going to wisen up and, and they're going to get a coach at, you know, whatever it is. I think it's Texas Tech, like I said. Maybe Bobby Knight will be let go at some point. They'll get a, a new coach, and that coach will be just as successful, if not more. But somebody needs to not hire him. That's the key after he's let go. And they need to go on camera and say why they're not hiring him. Unfortunately, there will always no, be a school that. that will hire him. Well, you know, they, they well, they will when I tell them. <laughs> When you threaten them. That's right. When you stalk them. No. You're the stalker here. Anyway, we got another tune? What do we got? We got something? It's something. We got something, something? A little something, something. Let's check it out. Three tall walls have grown. The forts are sliding door. Thirty little buttons and to stare at one great flow. In we all do shuffle with our faces glum and grim. Punching in our levels so the magic may begin. Clunk, we lunch, each holds tight their lunch. Morning paper, coffee, what a bright, vibrant bunch. There's the girl from 
from seven, sagging gin and sallow brow. Half gets a bloke at ten, don't know his flies down. Someone's back from holidays, a pal's about to go. What happened on the weekend? Nothing much, don't really know. Gradually they empty out, it's my floor on the dial. Sorry, oops, excuse me, please be careful not to smile. Repeat this twice again today at lunch and then at five. Trudge off home, watch millionaire, it's grand to be alive. Rising up on the way down. Rising up on the way. Rising up on the way down. Down, 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 down. Munching gum while staring at their feet. Hands dug deep in pockets as we contemplate the day. Busy bought a bludgeon just as long as we get paid. We're rising up on the way down. Rising up on the way. Rising up on the way down. Down, 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 down. tunes nice who was that that was melissa forbes well rock on and this song was rising up what happens if you get exposed to like eight hours of that song i think your hair falls out <laughs> that could be a rogaine commercial <laughs> did you hear about that the uh the russian spy who's who got whacked <laughs> with radiation poisoning no you didn't hear about that no is this a bad joke? No, this is not a bad... Well, it's a bad bad thing. There was a, a Russian ex-KGB guy who um, was very outspoken against the Russian government, and uh, he suddenly mysteriously was poisoned with one of the rarest um, radioactive elements known to man. I think it's selenium or something. Or, no, polonium. Polonium. That I've heard of. Polonium. Yeah. That's what it is. I think it's named after Poland, actually. Um, polonium. Yeah, he was, he was uh, killed... And he, he was on his deathbed saying that he was murdered by uh, Vladimir Putin's government. Well, that could be. And he also said that he was on the same hit list as there was a reporter that was recently knocked off, and she was very outspoken against the Putin government. Well, that, I, I suspect, happens in all countries. You know, There have been some reporters that mysteriously <laughs> disappeared in our country, too, when uh, certain um, facts came to light. How did I get off on that tangent? I think it was because you asked me what happens when you get exposed to that. And that's what yeah. reminded me because before he died, all of his hair fell out. He was uh, poisoned. And... So he could have been a Minoxidil commercial. Rogaine. Well, yeah, Rogaine think... with Minoxidil. Yeah. Now available as, well, they have the topical. Look the best on the your pills. deathbed. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Is that what morticians do? They just douse their heads with Rogaine? 
I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know either. It frightens me. Saw a film at Munson Williams Proctor Arts Institute called The House of Sand. And Fog? No, actually. No, that's a different film, but that made me think of that. Have you seen House of Sand and Fog? No. Ben Kingsley, it's a real downer. Everybody dies. He plays in uh, an Iranian immigrant, and he's trying to survive with his family in this country, and all kinds of weird stuff happens. What was the name of the actress who played... Oh God! Oh, she played um, uh, the 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 uh, the intellectual film that uh, Ron Howard did. He about the college professor. A beautiful mind is what you're looking. Yeah, for. and who played the the sort of brunette wife of um, what's his name in that film? That uh, actress, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, she was also in the House of Sand and Fog, and. All this tragedy happens because she didn't open her mail. But put that on your list. It's really good. Nice. It's a great thing to 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 do. You know, around the holidays, think about don't open your mail. Everyone dies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to tell you, they showed three or four films in a row which were real downers. And <laughs> woof, that was a Who's bad the program director. There? I know. You spread them out a little. You know, a little comedy in between. Anyway, the House of Sand. Not have I seen a film where I got such a sensation of isolation, desolation starkness, aloneness since 2001, A Space Odyssey. Really? Those two guys are on that ship. And you know how like modern sci-fi movies, when a ship's going by, they play noise. Well, they didn't do that in 2001 They because there wouldn't be noise if you were out there. If you had your helmet off, <laughs> you wouldn't hear the spaceship. You wouldn't hear anything for long, actually. No, but let's say you, you could live in a vacuum and you, your ears would function. You're asking a lot. I know I'm asking a lot, but you wouldn't hear anything. It's kind of like my physics professor used to say, okay, let's pretend that we have a frictionless environment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. And anyway, I, have, I haven't I have felt so isolated and so alone in a movie theater since 2001. And I thought this you was a really- You did go alone. Yes. It, well, there was nobody there. The film sucked. I mean, okay. it's, it's like that restaurant, you know? Nobody goes there anymore. <laughs> it's too popular. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> anyway, it's a, a 2005 film from Brazil, directed by Andruka Waddington and- it's a film about a woman who is in some sort of mm, bizarre prearranged relationship with this man, and he decides to move out of the city or whatever city they were in in Priscilla and move to the desert. And it's a desert which borders the ocean, so it's dry and desolate. You don't have to go too far to fish, but there's nothing there. I'm talking nothing. Nothing. Nada. Zero. Zilch. Bubkus. So this film takes place. The guy just buys some a plot of land out in this desert near the ocean, where there is nothing except uh, some native people that live off the land. And he brings his wife and the wife's mom, who were city people. You know, they were wealthy, and I don't know what happened and what circumstances happened where this prearranged marriage had happened and forced her to leave the city. I don't know if they, you know, the stock market crashed in Brazil and suddenly they had no money and they had to move. I don't know. That's not explained. But they move to this desert place in 1910, which was filmed in the Lenquois Marensis National Park in Brazil. Wow. It's it's stunning. The beauty and the—I mean, what did Buzz Aldrin say when he walked on the moon? He said, magnificent desolation. And that basically describes this environment that they're in. And what ends up happening is uh, the man dies. He's building a house, and something he built falls on him. So now this woman and her mother have to survive there. And they try to get out, but they really don't know where to go because all the, you know anywhere you look, there's sand. And apparently they don't know about the whole sun 
rising in one and setting in the other and kind of you know dividing directions that way. Well, you know, women do like just shiny things. Well, they, they like diamonds and don't have compasses. So, and, and their man died, so they didn't know what to do with their wrench. Well, in 1910, GPS was very primitive, and it wasn't that precise, so they didn't have that going for them either. <laughs> it, it was... It was roughly accurate to one planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give or take. Or one hemisphere. So That's Simon right. Fox, how he got to Canada, I'll never know. That's right. It, what was interesting about this film is that the two women, Fernanda Montenegro and Fernanda Torres, and they're supposed – I believe that they are like the, the, the daughters of the Brazilian movie industry and the, the stage. They're very famous in there. Um, what this ends up encompassing is two generations. When they, when they move to this desert – area in 1910 one of the women plays the mom and one plays the daughter and at one point in the film the daughter has a child and then that daughter grows up and the same two people play those people but Ah. one generation younger with a little makeup they look a little different and by the end of this film 60 years has elapsed and it's not 1910 anymore and it's 1970 and what's really interesting is i mean there were moments when she tried to get out of the desert with her daughter uh, an astronomical survey, for example, with astronomers from all around the world came there because that was there was going to be a full uh, solar eclipse. The moon was going to eclipse the sun. And what they were doing was one of the light bending experiments where they would take some photographs of the stars around mm-hmm. the sun when the moon is eclipsing it. And then they'll come back in a few months and do the same thing when the sun isn't there and see if the photos line up or see if the sun bends light. The and, gravitational lensing effect. Yeah, exactly. And we all know that that happens. But they were in 1910 or 1920, whenever, whatever year. that. So she tried to get out with the astronomical survey, but when she went back, they were gone. In any case, there was a moment in the scene, very in the movie very early, where the daughter was talking to, they were just joking about you know those films that you used to see back then about going to the moon. What was that classic one? Um, the French film about the guy going to the moon. Oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. They did it in From the Earth to the Moon. There was an entire episode based around that where Tom Hanks was the assistant to the director and whatnot. But anyway, so two generations happen. The grandmother, the daughter, the daughter's the son. The two actresses play that. And then suddenly it's 1970. And the, the woman who was the, she would be the middle generation now, is very old and her daughter comes back. Actually, the daughter did escape. She, um, uh, it's kind of hard to get into, but the daughter ended up leaving this this very desolate and and isolated environment. And she comes back in 1970, and they actually talk about the fact that people have walked on the moon now. And it's an interesting film from the perspective, uh, from the viewer's perspective, because when you first go to this environment, you're like, "My God, this is awful! How desolate! I would not want to leave her." But by the end of the film, you're kind of like, "This is kind of beautiful." You know, there's right. there's a lot going on here. And it was a, a pretty magnificent tale from beginning to end and, and the story that it told. So I, I actually recommend this. I, I really like that. It's about 115 minutes. And, um, I mean, just seeing this environment is something because I've never seen terrain quite like this. It, a little bit reminds me of Mars, actually, I guess, more than anything, where you'll see sand dunes. And then there will be another sort of geological feature there that's not really sand uh, in this in this. Uh, Brazilian National Park, it would actually go from like seawater to sand to vegetation to sand and pretty remarkable, actually, pretty remarkable uh, scenery. Yeah, it sounds like one of those films where the the environment, the scenery, where they're filming it is actually taking It's one out. of the characters. It's one of the characters. Yeah, they yeah. talk about that. Yeah, it definitely is one of the characters, and it's it's pretty magnificent. And, yeah, it was pretty amazing scenery. And the performances by the two actresses were pretty incredible. And uh, at the end of the day, it's quite uplifting at the end. And uh, I liked it. Check it Subtitled, out. Subtitled, dubbed, English? 
Uh, subtitled, yeah. Spoken in Brazilian, Portuguese, and uh, American subtitles. Uh, there's a few moments of English, but not enough to uh, worth talking about. When the woman discovers the uh, astronomical survey in the desert, there are astronomers from all over the world, and there's a few English-speaking ones there and some Spanish-speaking ones and some Brazilian-speaking, uh, Portuguese-speaking ones. So there are a few moments where subtitles are needed, but on the whole, it's, it's entirely in uh, Portuguese. Cool. Well, I'll put that on the list. Hey, guess what? What? Holy cow, Batman. I guess that's a sure. Time to hit the bat pole. <laughs> that could wow. be taken in so many different ways. I know. I'm not even going to touch that. But you know you know what they say. Hitting the bat pole is good for your prostate. So. Ow. That's wrong on like 15 oh, different levels. I have a newspaper clipping that on my monitor at work that actually says that, so it has to be true. I, I'm not going to read that. I refuse to. Anyway, this is Rich Wilgus. <laughs> and John Tellerico. And you've been listening to another episode of Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. Check out our blog, www.bloodyveg.com. And Send us feedback at feedback at bloodyveg.com. <laughs> that email address is working again. Yay. And check out the forum. What's that address, John? Bloodyveg.com slash forum. Yeah. So do all that stuff and you will be a better person. And remember, you're listening to VIB. Yeah. <laughs>